I can honestly see a connection, though, between kind of where you started oh, totally, and this. Oh, which that's what's hor- horrific about it, is that I shouldn't still have been doing that in 2013. <laughs> Make it sound really terrible. (laughs) You're in a hurricane in your ears. You don't want one in there. It's a problem. Hello and welcome to Did I Do That? It's an ASMR chill podcast about making graphic design and making mistakes because it's all part of the process. I'm Sean Schumacher and joining me today, a very special guest. Boy, it's really weird to say this as slow as I'm saying it right now, but (laughs) that's what we're doing, I guess. She's a designer, illustrator, and letterer originally from Cape Town, South Africa. She's worked with the likes of David Carson in New York City, O'Neill out in sunny California, and Publicist Machine in Cape Town, all while exhibiting around the world and winning awards including the Silver Cans Lion for Packaging Design and the DNAD Wooden Pencil for Illustration. These days, she serves as a senior art director at Murmur here in Portland. It's Danny Larero. Hi, Danny. Hi, how are you doing? Welcome to this Sleepy Time ASMR podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So the reason I'm trying to chill out the vibes is because when I got here to the art building this morning, there was a fire alarm going (laughs) on. <laughs> and I had a I had a really chill morning up until that point. Like I went and I got a tea and I got a nice little pastry that I thought would be good and actually was pretty strange. <laughs> Turns out key lime and blueberry don't make a good combo. Isn't that weird? Oh well. But so I got here and the fire alarm's going off. You what would you do if you got to a building and the fire alarm was going off? I probably would not go in the building. <laughs> I was not that wise. I did indeed go in the building. Um, and, and it, 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 you know, there was some sort of alarm condition. So I contacted the campus public safety office on their emergency line because, you know, alarm sort of signifies this should be taken care of post haste. They seem to think that that was not a priority. <laughs> And they transferred me to another office that basically said, we'll get to it when we get to it. (laughs) And the alarm's going off the whole time. The alarm's going off the whole time for for a full hour and a half, as well as whatever amount it's been going possibly into yesterday. Who knows? Um, So, yeah, I get here and I'm, you know, I'm like, hey, I got it. I got a recording session. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like an hour. How's this going to work? So, um, yeah. 
Uh, but the good news is they did indeed get the alarm turned off or really just silenced. I looked at the panel and it does seem to actually still be in an alarm condition. <laughs> and do we know the source of the alarm? Is there any actual fire that we uh, should be worrying about? That's a great question. <laughs> I don't know that they investigated that very thoroughly because it didn't. It didn't seem like anything had been done other than silencing the alarms. But uh, yeah. So I guess if we start to smell smoke, we should uh, run. We should run. (laughs) run. (laughs) For sure. Because it's not going to alarm any more than it did. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to break us out of our calm ASMR condition because I've mostly forgotten how to do that. Okay, Hi, Danny. Hi, how you doing? (laughs) (laughs) What a weird what a weird show this is. Great fun. <laughs> how's how's your morning been? Yeah, it's been good. Just trying to look at old work and get ready to come chat to you. And yes, you you actually like we haven't had a lot of folks bring in physical work as of late, but yet you have a whole portfolio full I of work. Felt very early two thousands with my portfolio case. I have to admit, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if the designers these days have anything in the portfolio case. Well, but. no, yeah, I don't think because I mean here at PSU we don't really even have like introductory drawing as part of the design program, so I don't really think a lot of our students ever experience the portfolio case having to have it all yeah plastic sleeves look after it for years <laughs> yeah it's this gigantic thing i used to um when i went to unlv uh back in las vegas for my undergrad las vegas is a very windy place um you know they say that chicago is the windy city well las vegas should have some merch that just says las vegas it blows because <laughs> um, it really it sure does it really does um and there were numerous times when I was trying to cart that around from the art building to the parking lot where that would just turn into a sale. Oh, completely. And, you know, you just get kind of dragged along. <laughs> <laughs> the trick is to, like, angle it into the wind. Oh, see, that's smart. Yeah. You, you're you're working on expert mode with well, this Well, I'm one. from Cape Town. It has to be the second windiest place in the world <laughs> if Las Vegas is the first. <laughs> well, yeah. So you're, you're from Cape Town. I don't yes. really know anything about Cape Town, basically. Like, It's a very beautiful city. It's at the bottom of Africa, and it's kind of of looks like San Francisco a little bit, I suppose. All right. It's pretty developed. It has the Indian Ocean on one side, the Atlantic on the other. It's a peninsula with big mountains in the middle. It's just a really cool place. So it's like San Francisco, except there isn't a giant letter X on top of a building (laughs) strobing lights into people's apartments. No, there isn't. Luckily, we haven't got that yet. That's great. I mean, I'm I'm sure every city in the the world will have one of those eventually. Especially considering Elon Musk is from South Africa. I'm I'm sure it's coming soon. It's got to be there pretty soon. We do have Table Mountain (laughs) as the backdrop, which we light up at nighttime. So maybe that's going to be his next um, canvas to project. What do you mean light up? Like... Cape Town is like a city bowl and has a big mountain behind it, which is completely flat on the top. So it looks like a table. It's known as Table Mountain. Oh. And at night, they have these lights at the bottom that shine up the mountain to light it up because it's very beautiful and it's iconic. And then we run out of electricity in South Africa. We have power cuts all the time. So now they have to turn those lights off. <laughs> Well, at least at least they're turning them off. They're yeah. prioritizing lighting. They are, them. they are. But it was very beautiful when I was growing up. Cape Town was always lit. The mountain was always lit. That's so incredible. That cool. um, yeah. So, like, you grew up out there. Like, what is the sort of design culture there, more general? Design is amazing in Cape Town at the moment. Actually, it's particularly illustration. We have some amazing illustrators. Like Studio Muti is from Cape Town. They oh. do some of the best illustration in the world right now. Um, 
Yeah, it was a, it's a really interesting place to have grown up. Obviously, it's had some kind of tumultuous political past, and it yeah, it's got like some amazing African influence in design and like aesthetic at the moment. And it's just a place that people are making and doing beautiful things. So it's yeah, I'm really thankful that I grew up there. I mean, it, it sounds like a great place to kind of get inspired yeah, too. Absolutely. If you're like, like, what was your what was the thing that sort of pushed you into design, like education wise? I've just always drawn I kind of I think I'm a designer who just likes to draw and so it's design was a way of making money by drawing it's kind of <laughs> where I ended up <laughs> but I've just always done that and I um, from a young age I got really into words and letters and the shapes and so I used to do a lot of hand illustration and then I came to the states to study I went to SCAD down in Savannah Georgia and I um, did a couple of like illustration classes and then I did a graphic design class and I just really enjoyed bringing the computers into it and learning how to do that. I had never done anything digitally until I got to SCAD, which is kind of crazy now to think about. (laughs) So you'd only been working physically. I'd only been working physically. Yeah, I used to do everything by hand, which is bizarre. Wow, that's incredible. So were you doing like drawing classes back home? Like, Yeah, I did art the whole way through school. Yeah. Uh, so I was drawing and painting. That was kind of my focus until I got to college and then decided design was where I was going to go and learned how to use Photoshop and Illustrator and <laughs> the rest is history. Now I don't draw anything by hand anymore. <laughs> now I have a big Wacom and all I do is draw on my Wacom. <laughs> hey, I mean, that's that's still more than a lot of folks yeah. end up with. Yeah. I, Yeah, like I think back to my own, like I started out wanting to kind of do a similar thing although uh, I, my dream was to become a newspaper cartoonist which Amazing. is not a realistic dream by any stretch of any imagination in be a fun thing to do though absolutely yeah. i mean who wouldn't want to live like jim davis <laughs> and have just a just a mountain of garfield things and your garfield mansion and then you have 50 million garfield employees that are drawing the cartoon for you every day <laughs> I wonder if they get really like particular about all the like shapes of the ears and the eyes and all that stuff. If all those oh, different I'm employees sure. have to get it absolutely there's right, gotta, it's got to be like animation it's have, like, where a there's manual. yeah, like yeah. a model guide. Oh, completely. And here's how Garfield turns. Yeah. And here's his fifty ears you can choose from. Exactly. Twenty five whiskers. Garfield like doesn't that. do this. Don't do this to Garfield. <laughs> Could you imagine designing that brand book for Garfield? That'd be so funny. <laughs> I w- audience if you have the in for the Garfield brand book which I am certain must exist it has to exist I want it to has see to exist it. Yeah, me too I need I need to know what Garfield can't do <laughs> <laughs> it would be it would truly be the highlight of my life because uh, I was I was such a Garfield fan when I was a kid too I owned all those weird long books oh, that's so cool um, so yeah you're kind of coming into your own design wise after you come into the states like what drew you to SCAD I don't really know I think I, I got excited about the idea of going to a design specific or art university SCAD had 17 different majors in, in art and design um, they're a big school they're a big school and they just I think just coming from where I grew up and the kind of schools that I went to it was just exciting to go somewhere for four years and just focus on creativity and design and get to explore all different mediums um, I'm not really sure why I decided it was a good idea to move halfway across the world by myself. That was challenging. That's a big project. <laughs> At 18, like, yeah. that's quite a lot. But um, Eight, 18 is also, though, the perfect age for it, it to be it like, is. yeah, I don't know how big a problem this is. Yeah, so, no, totally. I had yeah. no idea. I arrived in Savannah by myself. I went and stayed in like a day's in down on the riverfront. It was cold. Oh, no. And all I could say was like, shit, for like three days. I just like looked around and go, shit. <laughs> The South is very, very different to Cape Town, and it just was—it was a—it was a 
amazing experience, but completely like just completely changed my life. Obviously, the very vibe different. the vibes were quite off. Immediately. Very very different. Did, <laughs> what did you have? Because I was one of the folks too who who um, got to their first college and dropped out immediately, like a, a week in. Did you have thoughts of being like, oh, oh fuck this? Absolutely, I wanted to. I think it was more just the location. I mean, Savannah is a great city, but it's just very different to where I'm from. And yeah. so I think in the beginning, it's just that adjustment. I tried to transfer to Parsons in New York a couple of times. Oh, wow. But um, just credits wouldn't transfer and would yeah. end up having to redo a bunch of times. So but I'm glad I stayed in Savannah. It was great. It was It's a small town and everybody goes there for the art school. So people are from everywhere and... We had a great community. It was, it was definitely a fun, interesting place to be. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I mean, it's probably like the creative hub of Georgia. Like, yeah, in a lot of ways. Like, yeah. it is. <laughs> <laughs> it um, is, and it, I mean, I don't. It was really cool experience to just see such a different part of the states and a different culture. Yeah. As soon as I graduated, I moved to New York, and then yeah, <laughs> didn't go back to live in the South. But I think there's a lot of charm in the South. I definitely enjoyed my time there. Yeah, but you know, uh, maybe not those days in days. No, didn't. didn't didn't need to go back to the days. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like what what sort of stuff were you doing when you were in school? In college or high school? Well, in in college. That's bad. Gosh, everything. They, so they made you do a whole bunch of two years of like intro to design and drawing and painting and stuff like that. And I had done a lot of that in high school already. So just doing big weird canvases and painting and that type of thing. Nothing terribly experimental. I wouldn't say at that point. But yeah. Definitely got to do some sculpture where they gave us a block of concrete and some chisels. And every time oh, your hand shit. slipped, it would like to grate your fingers and all your skin would come off. It was pretty fun. Wow, that's <laughs> that's hardcore. Yeah, it was, it was probably the cheapest material they could find for like, the intro to sculpture class. <laughs> some aerated concrete that you could just like sharp like knives every time you fell and cut it with your hands. Health and safety. Why <laughs> do we need to, to care about that? About that? <laughs> Um, I do want to back up a little bit, though, to because you also brought in some work, yes, from what I, did. I understand. I did. I'm amazed that you you even brought work. Like, there are so many people who, who don't have the coming to a completely different continent problem that just have nothing. I don't have a lot of my college stuff. I was surprised. I kind of went back. All my um, you know hard drives from those days don't work anymore. You put them in no. and they just click. And so I don't have a lot of that work. <laughs> but these posters, they were kind of, I, I mean, they were in my room for years. And I loved them. And they really were kind of what my start of me liking to draw letters and drawing words and so I've kept them because I'm sentimental about them. <laughs> they're kind of terrible but they're so cool. <laughs> I mean that, you always end up in that boat though. Yeah. Like there's the, there's the stuff that is just objectively when you look back on it like nah, this is not very good. Yeah. But yet like you can still put yourself a little bit in the mindset of like wow this was so important. It was and it was, it was just like pure creativity at that time right yeah. just i mean i'm sure a lot of them i'm borrowing from advertising and posters that i saw in those days so it's not completely unique illustrations necessarily maybe i'm like borrowing things or lettering styles but it's what got me into it so it's it's a cool thing to look at that's i i mean it sounds great to me okay um do you want to do you want to get some of that sure, out i would love better. to take a look out of that big portfolio case i know it's very very it's aging myself here <laughs> I mean, this was this was the thing up until like you know five years ago, basically. <laughs> yeah, five years ago. That sounds. About yeah, right. sure. So these are posters that I did when I was Whoa. in high school. Colored so, pencil and ballpoint pen. So I'm holding a. This is like twenty by thirty, right? Yeah, huge. I'm sorry. It's a humongous poster, and it is all drawn by hand. It is all colored by hand. 
Um, it's really got a weed aesthetic. I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of capturing that sort of Grateful Dead type energy, like sort of Art Nouveau by way of, you know, the late 1960s kind of vibe. It uh, is. Well, I mean, it was all inspired by like the surf scene. A lot of the artwork around the, the advertising in like the 90s surf industry was pretty amazing. Like, you'd have these full page ads that were just these elaborate illustrations. And I think I got a lot of inspiration from that. Wow. Um because, I mean, this is, like, such an ambitious piece for <laughs> – does it say you're 14 in the corner here? I think so. Yeah, you are <laughs> – It's very young. <laughs> April, yeah, like, age 14, you are doing this really ambitious work. Like, there's a lot of precision in this, too. Like, there's a lot of thought that goes into, like, how this is balanced. But, like, you're you're also thinking about lettering a lot because, like, yep. I mean, you, you really have that, like – Davida kind of like lettering it down does, there. It does seem to be very 1960s inspired. Or not. Very much so. <laughs> um, we got a couple others here to look at too. You can also see from this one, I um, had a, if you've had a rotaring pen, it was those pens with those different size nibs that you could change. It was like an architect's like drafting pen. Oh, sure. Yeah. And I've I, seen those. I had those when I was in high school and I was obsessed with them. And so they had a fine tip that I think was like a 0 0.05 or something tiny. Yeah. And that poster is all drawn with those pens and then like colored in. I just oh detail, God. detail and pattern was a big thing. <laughs> Wait, so you're, you're not even laying down pencil before you're doing this. You're I just... probably had some pencil to help me. I can't actually remember. It's a very long time ago. It, I mean, it looks, it looks pretty freehand, but like you, yeah, th these, these are some very thin lines. <laughs> very, very, very thin, thin lines. Took a very, very long time. I think that's where all my evenings is like an angsty teenager sitting in my room and drawing with a oh very, very God. skinny road drink. Yeah. <laughs> It's it, like it, the the amount of time that you have when you're a teenager that you don't realize you'll never have again. Oh, I know. So incredible. Your poor parents. So you just disappear <laughs> to your room and you're just gone for the whole evening listening to your music and just drawing by yourself. Yeah. I'm just I'm making another gigantic poster, mom and dad. It's going to take me about six months. It's yeah. Fine. <laughs> yeah. There's there's so much density in this. Like yeah. you have you have sections like in the middle. There's this sort of peace sign. Or yin yang sign, I should say, um, and around it has has this border that is just like completely patterned with like this high density. <laughs> like every element has an interior pattern. It in does. It, it does. And there this, was a lot of that. <laughs> like this border is just like you know a half an inch thickness all the way around, and yet it it, it contains so much stuff. I know it, really does. and that's like. <laughs> You know, like 1% of the real estate of this poster. <laughs> I think there must have been something like meditative about sitting and drawing with such a tiny little pen and just making patterns. I think it was kind of almost like doodling to a certain extent. As oh, you can yeah. see with that one, I have a lot of like overlaying of things. I got very into like the idea of transparencies and where if two shapes overlaid, like what would happen to the pattern or the color where they mixed and... Yeah, it was a it was busy busy yeah. time. <laughs> every every connection has its own like different style of overlay too. Yeah. It's like, I mean, this is like such an ambitious thing know, to it's take. Pretty, it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. <laughs> like, I'm not surprised when you said like this took six months. And I, I'm not sure it was six months. I'm making a joke, but yeah, but it, was, like, it was a long amount of time. But I think I just enjoyed the drawing process. I think still to this day, I enjoy the drawing process. I probably try to turn every project into a drawing project, which is not what you should do. But <laughs> <laughs> just really, you gotta follow your heart. You just gotta draw. Exactly. That's what I want to do. Um, we got a couple laminated ones. Here I know too. these. These are up on the walls in my my bedrooms for like my teenage years. Oh really? Yeah. So were these your favorites? No, I think 
I think my parents were nice and supportive and they got them laminated for me so that they didn't look tatty on the wall in the bedroom because my mom's quite a neat person and I think she wanted my room to look good. And so she, <laughs> she made sure that they weren't all peeling corners and looking terrible. Well, absolutely. There's there's some kind of collage elements in these too. Mm-hmm. I will say the one, the one that I looked at first was a year before this one. And I feel like you could see a lot of growth between this one and like the, the bigger one. Like Possibly. <laughs> Like your handling of of lines and fills are like so much more precise. Um, I'm guessing this is well before you got those like architect pens too. Probably, yeah, um, I think so. Yeah, but like it's still like there's a lot going on. There's there's oh there's like metallic ink in <laughs> oh, here too. I was all about the gold and silver pens. <laughs> all about those. I still am. I love them. My. <laughs> favorite thing it's it's kind of magical to be able to do well it's it's like you know it's like putting uh putting metallic spots in a print piece oh, where completely. Like, it's the best oh it's, look it's it's shiny it's shiny and let's get it under the light i did a couple of paintings when i was in high school where i had metallic paint and i had this one picture very kind of dark picture with this girl's face looking at you but if you turn sideways and the light caught it differently the head turned because it was metallic paint and so oh, it looked shit. like it looked at you that way and i was thought that was amazing. That's kind of magical, Very actually. Very dark and twisty, but it was, was pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whose high school days aren't dark and twisty, I ultimately? Know, I know. Um, but yeah, as you can see, lots of patterns. Lots and lots of yeah, you stuff are, going on. And there's some there's a lot of precision in this one. This is like a full... Like a full poster grid. <laughs> I'm sure it was influenced a lot by the posters and stuff I was seeing at the time. Like I, I wasn't... I'm, I definitely on, can't claim all of this to be totally original i'm sure i was using lots of references but (laughs) (laughs) well we all we all have to do that i feel like before you can really like develop what is your sensibility and like these were pretty important to like getting you on to the next thing totally um oh yeah that's another type piece (laughs) was this high school no no that was a little bit older that was probably like Oh, 2013. Yeah, 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 like more recently. Also, way too many patterns. Probably should have stopped doing the patterns a long time ago. I, 2013 was the heyday of, of intense patterns, though. Yeah. But, like, I can I can honestly see a connection, though, between kind of where you started oh, totally, and this. Oh, totally, that's what's hor- horrific about it. Is that I shouldn't still have been doing that in 2013. <laughs> should have learned my lesson a long time ago. No, but you, you, you followed your path and you got something really cool out of it. Yeah, like, that's funny. This, I mean, I could totally see this... Like up on on a website, it's got all that like beautiful hand lettering, like and then you know just like the framing device of the kind of stuff that like uh, Jessica Hish was putting up. Totally. Like, and then these are just some drawings from college. These are the only two things I still had. They're self portraits. As you can see, I was taking myself very very seriously. Oh my god, you were taking yourself so seriously. <laughs> so seriously. Um, this one's a little ghostly, but it's really well rendered. I think it was for, a foreshortening exercise, the learning about like, you know, the hand uh, in the foreground. Yeah, you've got sort of a mask like in a, your hand yeah. that you're holding. And it's pretty, I mean, pretty damn well done, I Thank would say. You. like, But it yeah. is very moody. It is. You know, the, this is, as you can see with this one, I have my little African mask. And I was living in Georgia and I was away from home and holding on to my identity as South African. And, oh. you know, probably a little moody. <laughs> <laughs> And then this is you at the day's end. This is me at the day's end, wondering what the hell. <laughs> I can I can practically hear the fluorescent light above you just buzzing. Oh, totally. Going in and out. Totally. Um, yeah, it's those are really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, yeah they're funny. Yeah, those are the only things that I've held on to. That's probably just because it's interesting to see how you see yourself at different phases of your life, and that was yeah. It, it can interesting. be interesting and terrifying all at once. <laughs> totally. 
I mean, I, you know, I all all the stuff, even when from the first time that I moved here, like I think back on it, I'm like, what, what, what was I doing? Um, so after after you uh, finish at SCAD, like, do you go back to, to South Africa to work uh, I did. at an agency? I went to New York and I worked in New York. For, I interned with David Carson for the summer. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, and then... I decided to move back home. I was missing my family and I'd just been away for a long time. So I moved back to Cape Town. And I actually then, I took a break for a little while of working in like traditional design and advertising. And I actually went and worked in the surf industry for a couple of years. Damn. I joined a European kite surfing company and did product design and all their graphics. And thankfully, I can't find any of that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) The marketing stuff that I was putting out for that poor company was kind of scary now to think about <laughs> but what it did give me exposure to is designing wetsuits which is also a kind of a funny product to get involved in um yeah. and i learned how to surf and i was surfing a lot and so from there i got a job to work for o'neill in california and so i moved out to california and i went and worked for o'neill in santa cruz for three years that was just the most fun wonderful job i loved that and i got to travel a lot and i I wasn't doing any real graphic design then. I was doing product design. So I was a, with the O'Neill Women's Wetsuit Designer, and I designed all the women's and kids' surf gear. Oh, so you were just in wetsuits? Just in wetsuits, just wow. in products. Um, I did all the graphics for them, and we did a lot of graphics for some other kind of more uh, surf-specific stuff, not just wetsuits. But, um, so I got to do some fun like fabric prints and screen printing and that type of thing, which was really fun and creative. But it was specifically product-focused. I was a product designer. I wasn't a graphic designer. And then after that, I decided to travel for a while and then moved back home and decided that I wanted to get back into like my pure design roots. And so that's when in Cape Town, I joined an agency and I just started illustrating. Cape Town has the most, as I said, wonderful illustration scene. And so it was really inspiring to be around all these people just doing this really beautiful work. Yeah. And so I got back into doing that. And that's kind of got to me to where I am now. That's, I mean, that's incredible. I, I do want to back up a little bit because you mentioned David Carson. Yeah. How did you get that job? Because he, David Carson, for those of you and the audience who don't know, is like one of those big name designers, kind of like the name of the 90s in a weird way. Yeah, definitely. I um, I met him at a talk he was giving in Florida when I was studying at SCAD. He was giving, doing a talk in St. Augustine and he was mingling afterwards and I started talking to him. And yeah, then he emailed me and offered me an internship. <laughs> Just out of the blue, yes. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that he had a, he was really good at helping students kind of get them some exposure. So it was just for the summer. I just went up there and worked with him for about three months. He wasn't there a lot. He was traveling a lot, doing a lot of talks and conferences. And oh. so I didn't. I probably would have loved to have worked more with him and got more from him. But it was still cool to be in his space and be exposed to all the type of work that he did and everything that he. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he was super iconic. I was obsessed with his work when I was in college. I wrote like papers on him. And so it was a pretty amazing thing to get a chance to go work for him. So you were like, you were at least comfortable in the grunge design space that he like kind of uh, yeah. is the heart of in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah, I mean, I think coming from a des- like an art background, when you can go into design, I wasn't, I love the idea of like art for art's sake, not yeah. just design for functional sake necessarily. And so David Carson spoke to a lot of us in those days about that because it was kind of, take something which is supposed to communicate but break it up and make it crazy and let's see if it breaks all the rules but yet it still communicates and there was something really interesting about that and so being I don't necessarily would, don't design in his style but I think that it, his work was very artistic it felt very much like fine art in the design world as opposed to being thought out practical design which obviously is so much of the design world absolutely yeah, yeah it's 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 very I mean there's good and bad to it for sure <laughs> <laughs> 
it's it is its own thing, and like it, I, I think in a lot of ways, I think the grunge design movement is kind of coming back right now as we as we are thinking about like what the place is of the designer in the in the new landscape that we face. <laughs> yeah. um, because I think there's there's a certain level of chaos that only a human can make that is like art that a machine is not going to be able to. No, no, exactly. Um, it feels also very genuine for just how chaotic the world feels. Oh my gosh, absolutely. <laughs> well, we're also right back to 90s fashion again, aren't we? So kind oh, very of much like so. reflects all the same type of aesthetic. I think with the David Carson stuff too, he... He was doing Raygun Magazine and Surfer Magazine. And as you see, I was very into the whole surf industry and scene in those days. And so his work was very much the aesthetic of that style a little bit. And so the kind of street culture, the youth culture, especially Californian youth culture, was was like my dream when I was younger. I was like, oh, I want to go live in California and <laughs> be part of that whole scene. <laughs> and you got to do it. And I did. And it was amazing. I loved it. I mean, O'Neill, O'Neill's about as big as it gets. Yeah. And they invented the wetsuit too. So even oh, though it was a product that. design job, it was amazing to work. Like Jack O'Neill invented the first wetsuit in 1952. And it was really cool to be in a building that had all this history and heritage and photographs of him from back in the day. And his family still runs the business. And it was a cool thing to be, to be able to see. It's like... The, the core product of the surf industry is the wetsuits. So. That's wild. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So you're you're like making the company's bread and butter. Yeah, there were only four of us designing wetsuits, and I was doing all the women's, and it was a pretty amazing job. I must say, I feel very lucky to have have had the chance to do that, and I'm still friendly with everyone I worked for there, and they, uh, still surf in O'Neill wetsuits, and it's, <laughs> I still have a lot of loyalty to that brand from that perspective. <laughs> <laughs> were were you doing much surfing while you were out there? Yes, all the time. I lived on the beach. So. <laughs> I know. It was that'll, a really good life. I should have stayed there. <laughs> yeah, that's, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. I'm sold. Yeah, it was um, amazing. I have no qualifications to design wetsuits, though. Don't don't hire me for that. <laughs> I'll do a bad I didn't job. have any really either, to be honest. I just <laughs> You kind of learn as you go. <laughs> What what are some of what are some of the core tricks to like making a wetsuit look good? Because that that's gotta be such a weird thing to like apparel design in and of itself is very strange yeah. to, to think about. But like when the thing is like a full body suit and it is going to change shape completely as you get into it. Like something I learned early on is do not make a wide side panel of color because if you make a wide side panel oh. of color and you put it on a person it just makes them really <laughs> wide. So uh, there's there's some interesting things about like the lines of the body and you know where you can place color or where you can place seams to kind of help accentuate or you know change the shape of of body you accentuate? Figures. Yeah. You know, um I did my we talk, you mentioned that this podcast is often about mistakes and I was going to tell you this so one of the mistakes that I made at O'Neill is when we did these color systems you created a wetsuit and you designed it in five or six different colorways and there was a code, like a system, a coding system of how you color wetsuits. And so the first color is like the body color. And then the second and third color, like after, after lines, is like the armpit color or this, you know, these different contrast colors. And I designed a woman's full body wetsuit that I put the wrong color first. I uh -oh. put bright coral first. And this is in the time where wetsuits are pretty much all black. And, you know, you'd have accents of colors. And they, um, the factory in China made thousands of full coral body <laughs> Oh no! All because I put the wrong color first on a on a spreadsheet and didn't check it. So oh, shit! What what did what happened to them? They were able to sell them at discount at like Costco and those kinds of places, and it was fine. But yeah. it was it was a pretty big lesson of like paying attention to small detail. And I think as a young designer, that's something that we often didn't do. At least I wasn't terribly good at. Was 
making sure that I was double checking my work and not sending stuff off too quickly and just like paying attention to detail. You know, you're, you're all about creating and being expressive and then you, you have to go back and make sure that you don't make 2,000 bright orange wetsuits. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you end up keeping one of them just I for... Didn't. I no. didn't. I never even saw them. I just I just knew that that had happened and that now there was all these wetsuits oh, they were trying to get rid of. <laughs> that almost seems worse to know that they're out there and you haven't even like, yeah, put eyes saw them. on them. The ironic thing now is that those full body colorful wetsuits are actually in fashion. People love them and they do like full color prints and all oh, these yeah. other kind of crazy things. But yeah, when I was working there... Um, women's surfing was kind of new and I think I was one of the first women wetsuit designers around and the people were it was still quite safe all the buyers at surf shops are male and so they were like I just want a black wetsuit for a woman or pink or blue you know women are either pink blue or black which is obviously I was in there like what are you talking about let's make like blood ox blood red (laughs) wetsuits and let's do this kind of olive green wetsuits for girls but you were just you were ahead of your time yeah Yeah. totally it's all all me (laughs) (laughs) It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So, oh, you got some more stuff in well, there. Well, this is this is commercial stuff. So this is for a, a product called Marmite, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with. It's kind of an English, Australian, South African type of product. It's like a black spread that you put on toast. It's made out of soy extract. Oh, yeah. And people hate it or they love it. It's kind of one of those things. <laughs> I love it. I have a supply of Marmite in my house still here in Portland, and I eat it most days. But So this was around a Halloween campaign where it was kind of – don't be afraid of the dark. Don't be afraid of the dark Marmite, but don't be afraid of the dark. And so it was all these like famous horror characters and their version of a Marmite sandwich. Oh, really? So this would be it. And this is his like kids' plates <laughs> and like kids' styled Marmite sandwich. And he's like offering it to you in the dark. He's like, don't be afraid of the dark. Try Marmite. <laughs> <laughs> and then that one would be Pinhead and his like Pinhead version of his. And then this one would be. Uh, Freddy Krueger. That's incredible. So you can see the patterning is still there. The patterning <laughs> is still the there. <laughs> and you, like, you're like you also like still playing in that kind of moody space. Like, yeah. These have a black wash around them. Yeah. Um, but like this, yeah, it's it's incredible actually. And these are these are also at huge scale. Yeah. These are like 20 by 30s yeah. as well. So this is right before I got my Wacom Cintiq. So this I actually still did all of this by hand. Wow. Um, now I would do that. In Photoshop, most likely with my Cintiq, but yeah, this was back in the day when I actually still, still like to draw by hand. <laughs> but it's, I, I mean, these these are so evocative, and like, it, it, it's kind of incredible how little you need to like identify, like, oh yeah, there's Pinhead. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Just I mean, need a couple of pins and like n- nails coming out of sandwiches, and there you go. Yeah, or or Freddy Krueger just in the fedora. Yeah. I mean, it it could be. I guess you do see a skin, so it's not like Indiana Jones or something, but like. It's and his claws. And his claws. Well, that's, <laughs> that's I was, sort of I was kind of notable. wondering when you were going to mention. Those. Yeah, the claws are like, actually kind things. of the thing that he's known for yeah. more than anything else. Yeah. Is, yeah, he's like I think he could, if he wasn't wearing a hat, you might say to him, "Hey, Freddie, yeah, new look. <laughs> I like your new look. Did you get a haircut?" But if he's not wearing the claws, then I think that would be a bigger conversation. You'd want to have a conversation with him then because he's not going to claw you. Yeah, he's not going to cut you to pieces. Yeah. In your dreams. Yeah, but as you can see, he cut the toast into nice little thin slices. He did. It's all very conceptual. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, when, when, did you, when did you do this work? These, when I were working, was working for publicists in Cape Town. Yeah. Um, we did a lot of work for Marmite. It was actually some of my most fun work that I've done. We got to do these really fun campaigns around this spread, which is sort of a heritage product in the way that peanut butter probably is here in America. So very it, much so. It has, like, all this space to play, and we did a lot of different campaigns around 
a lot around Halloween because obviously it is a dark spread and people hate it and all of it. So it's got like this fun, <laughs> like polarizing aspect to it. And so we got to play a lot with like, don't be afraid of the dark and all these different campaigns that we could do around um, Halloween. But yeah, they were a lot of fun. Absolutely. Um, so it, like a lot of your drawing too is very realistic. Um, like how did you make that transition into like uh, kind of what you do illustratively? I think that is kind of one of the challenges, especially I think when you start drawing quite young. Like I've been drawing like my whole life. And when I was a teenager and you spent all this time drawing, the idea of a good drawing was a realistic drawing. It was yeah. like trying to get the depiction right, the person right, being able to draw them. So you spent a lot of time and a lot of energy being able to be realistic because that made me feel like I was a good artist. And then going off to college and then being exposed to illustration, you now have to like break a lot of those rules. And I, yeah. I often feel like people who can't draw probably are a little bit have an advantage because <laughs> you can then find your style a little bit easier. You, you, well, I don't know if it's easier. I don't want to assume how it is with people, but I feel like you're freer to do that. Whereas when yeah. you come from a background of like illustrate drawing and fine art and trying to be accurate, it's a little bit harder to just distort things and, and break those rules and try to find a more personal style. I've, I've always found that illustration never quite knowing what my style is because it took a long time to like, no, that doesn't need to look like that. Those eyes don't have to be aligned in that way. Let's move that ear into the wrong place because it looks better. <laughs> like it's just... Picasso it up. Yeah, just just try to do that. And I, I think that it takes a lot of experimentation and allowing yourself to break those rules to be able to do that. And yeah. when you start in realism, it's harder to be okay with doing that. It is. And I, it's interesting also to think of that in relation to like what we were talking about with like grunge design and David Carson and all that. Cause that like in, I think he's talked about like, he doesn't really have like the formal design background. Yeah. So yeah he much. was a teacher. Yeah. Like yeah. it's, it, it, it is coming from this place of like just falling into like, I can use this as an art form and do whatever with it rather than like, Knowing all those rules and then totally. having to force yourself to force break them. Force yourself to them. break them, exactly. Um, I think like, that's harder to do. And it's depending on how you are as a person, I think it's you want it to be good. And so the first time you try to make it not realistic, it's not good. And then yeah. you're like, oh, this is terrible. Like, I've got to go back to being safe and realistic <laughs> because that, we know that that's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that also gets into like the the like terrible trap that I, I still face myself of like, uh, I want this to be a certain way. And oh, then totally. you, you just try with all your might to make it that way and just lose endless sleep. You oh, know, it, it, it's no good. <laughs> I, the one thing I have learned in design is that what I picture something to look like at the beginning of a project is never what it looks like at the end no, of a project. Never. never. So you can't, you got to just enjoy the journey. <laughs> you have to, you have you to. You never, it's never going to be able to be what you pictured in the beginning. Yeah. And that's such a valuable lesson for students. Hey, whatever your first idea is, don't get too attached to it because no. if you try to pursue that to the end of the earth, then you'll be miserable. <laughs> yeah. And you haven't done the design process, right? Like the design exactly. process is what makes you come up with new ideas and challenge things. And that's what gets you to where you're going. So you got to feel it out. Yeah. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so you after after this you go back to South Africa yeah. you start at publicist yeah uh, and this is kind of the start of like your design design yeah. career yeah like that's right and and part of what you're working on is like we looked at the 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 Marmite mm -hmm. campaign what other stuff are you doing out there is it so publicist is an advertising agency so I was working in the design side of it but I was it's mostly for campaigns so lots of lots of like point of sale, lots of packaging design, lots of branding. We worked on like Red Bull, Red Bull logos, those types of things. Um, but very cool. Like I, I feel like I was quite lucky to join that agency at the time that I did because the design team was very young and progressive and really interested in doing 
great good work and unfortunately well, I don't know if it's unfortunately but in advertising obviously the award circuit is kind of a big thing it's how they kind of get their credentials and so I was lucky enough to work on a lot of projects that had been kind of pinned as pieces potentially to enter into awards and so that's where you really get to flex your creativity and you get to do interesting things and it's this nice collaboration between the the brand and the agency because you're trying to do something that makes it it's different and cool yeah and so a lot of my work for you know the time that I was in Cape Town was focused on that type of work, work that was really trying to be as creative and as cool as it could be. And that's where I got to do a lot of illustration. So that was pretty fun. It's it's pretty exciting. And like I was, I was kind of shocked when I was looking at your biography that like there's a canned lion. Yeah, that was fun. For Marmite actually. Oh, that was for the Marmite campaign. Not not this campaign, a different one. But yeah, it was for we, as to launch the campaign, we did like this what did they call it? Direct mail piece, which is a very unsexy word. But basically, we targeted. <laughs> I've made a, a lot of, of those. Yeah, yeah um, targeting a bunch of influencers to talk to get them talking about what we were doing with Marmite, and so we customized a Marmite jar for all the thirteen influencers, and we redesigned their labels, and we wrote copy that was in the tone of voice of their blog, and we made these like cool pieces, and so oh, there's shit. a packaging for all of that, and that's what we won the can line on. That's. That sounds incredible. Yeah, Just like really these fun. little precise targeted yeah. things. But that's that's kind of, I think, what I really like. I love thoughtful design and thoughtful illustration. And you look at who you're designing or targeting and you really try to make it clever and interesting for who they are. I think that that was really fun. So we got to do 13 different Marmite jars, but each one was unique and different and looked really cool and had custom illustrations. <laughs> how, I, that's also one of those things where, like, how long did it take to do each one of the jars? Well, it's advertising, right? So, like, everything is done on, like, 14-hour days. And yeah. um, I think we had two weeks to do the whole project or three weeks. <laughs> I don't even know. Maybe, maybe it was a bit longer, but it was obviously late nights. But it's, like, all day for All day, two all nights. Yeah. Um, pizza parties in the evening at the office because everybody's staying there till like 12 o'clock and working and that kind of thing, which was fun. I mean, to be honest, advertising is a lot of fun when you're doing those kind of exciting projects and you're getting to be creative. It's not so fun when you're doing, I don't know, web banners until 10 o'clock at night. (laughs) No offense to web banners. What could not be fun about web banners? Everyone (laughs) loves them. Punch the monkey. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, but that was pretty fun. um, Yeah, it's, yeah, it seems like great, exciting work up until a certain point where you want to have an outside life yeah no absolutely i think when you when it was when i kind of got back into design so it's really what i think helped me get to where i got to and got to work on the projects that i wanted to work on and i think it just was because you just put your heart and soul into it you know when you're a designer you don't do it because you chose to be a designer there's lots of other ways that you could make money that would be smarter (laughs) than being a designer you do it because you love it and it's you know it's you get into the zone when you're making things and you just stay there and enjoy the process. And so I think that's, I, I've been lucky that I've got to do a lot of work in my life that I've really loved and I can just sit there and design and it's fine. Yeah. yeah. I, I know. Mean, sorry. That's so cheesy. But. No, I <laughs> cheese it up. Um, cheese and Marmite. Not a good combo though. Actually, I really? love cheese and Marmite. That's what I eat. Toast with Marmite and cheese. I can't imagine. Oh, it's best. I'm going to send you a Marmite jar. You're going to have to try it. <laughs> I will. I mean, I, I'm 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 down to try weird foods. Um, it tastes like soy sauce on toast. I'm less sure now. <laughs> that it it's salty. It's salty. Salty would not be what I expected oh, out of so our mind. So good. So good. All right. I mean, sure. I'm I'm down. Um, so at what point at Publicist did you decide you wanted to be doing something different and also wanted to be back in the States? Because that was kind of the hinge point, too. Well, there, right? I, I was freelance for two years before we moved oh. back here. Um, but I, I wanted to do more illustration. And I think I was a creative director at Publicist, and so I was doing a lot more meetings and a lot more, not as much of the work anymore. Um, yeah. 
And I just, as I said, I've always liked to draw. I try to turn every project into a drawing project. When I say draw, I don't mean pen. I just mean, yeah, create things, illustrate. So I went um, freelance and I got this really cool studio with some amazing Cape Town illustrators. And I got to work with some really talented people that I really enjoyed. And I got to a lot of freelance illustration work. So that's when coming off the back of a lot of these awards, kind of got a lot of recognition. I was able to go on my own and then agencies would come to me and hire me as the illustrator for these projects. So instead of dealing with the client side and the business side and the creative direction side, I got to be the sort of service provider who made the illustrations, which was nice for a while to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I really enjoyed that. Get get yourself back like on, not on paper, but yeah, you just know, drawing. directly yeah. as the as the creative. Like that's, that's got to be invigorating. And I was very into lettering at that stage. I was doing a lot of lettering um, and I was doing a lot of lettering for exhibitions. I, there was a gallery in Cape Town called Salon 91, which was really supportive of all of us young designers that were coming up doing cool stuff. So we were constantly doing exhibitions with my friends. And I, I went through a phase where I made a lot of laser cut wooden typography pieces. Oh. Um, this is before, you know, the cheesy kitchen whatever sayings that people have now that are laser oh, yeah. cut out of wood all Absolutely. over their houses. The, the stuff that you get at, at home goods. <laughs> yes, and yeah. At I all. didn't make any of that, but it, it was similar, <laughs> like laser cut out of wood, but I would do plexiglass and I'd paint it and I'd make these big pieces. And I started showing a lot of that stuff around Cape Town. So I was illustrating and I was doing a lot of lettering work and sh- kind of showing in galleries, which was really fun. Um, and that must have been like really exciting too, because that's like kind of the heyday of of lettering. Yeah, it was like the the reemergence. Like even like five years earlier, I feel like lettering did not have the presence. No, in no. the design scene. No, it was definitely like the time to be doing that. It was interesting how bad that some of my lettering was when I look back at it now. I'm like, oh my gosh, I really <laughs> had some learning to do, which is cool. It's always good to be able to see that you've I, improved. <laughs> I feel like every letterer I talk to is like that too. Oh, like it's funny. Kyle Latender, a fast guest, uh, he, he he was looking at stuff of his past work that was absolutely gorgeous and going on. Oh, I, I know. No, you, you see all the things, right? Like all the angles of the letters or the counters. Or the, oh my gosh, what was I terrible. thinking? Like that's terrible. But anyway, I um, yeah, it was still a lot of fun to, to do that. And yeah, it was, it was a good time. And then yeah. we moved back to the States. My husband is American, so he wanted to come back. Oh. He wanted to work here and that's why we came back to the States. That's why we're in Portland. Is he? So he's from Portland? He's then. not. He's from California, Southern oh. California. I met him when I worked for O'Neill. Oh. He's a little blonde California surfer boy. <laughs> <laughs> so you you brought a little bit of the California back home with you. I did. He was back with me for a while, and then we moved back here. Yeah. What was the what was the transition like? Because you going from freelancing there to Murmur, like you know, you're sort of back almost in sort of an agency, yeah, type world. It was a couple of years before I joined Murmur, though. Yeah. When we moved here. Um, oh, really? Yeah. I I will say it was a pretty hard change because I went from being in a great place with freelancing and having a reputation because I worked in this agencies in South Africa to moving here and kind of all of a sudden not having that network anymore, which you don't really realize is going to happen. You kind of assume that you just carry on doing what you're doing. So it was a little bit of a readjustment when I got back here and then still working for a lot of South African clients, but the currency exchange makes that not very beneficial. Oh, yeah. Just trying to network here. But I, I'm working now more for Murma because I started freelancing for them a couple of years ago. I just started helping out in some projects, and I really like them. They're wonderful people. And then, I don't know, the owner and I are friendly, and we were talking, and they were looking for a new art director to join them. And I just want to work with people. I like people, and I wanted to meet people in Portland, and I wanted to make a network here. And so, yeah, I've been with them now just every year, and it's great. It's branding and packaging, which ah. is really cool. Yeah, it's quite a lot of local, but also just national brands. Um like branding logos and then the packaging that we get to do, which is really cool. 
there's some very talented people in the States. It's, it's nice to kind of work out here and get to see exposure to all the, the cool things that people are doing. That's, I, that's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. I should I should explain why there was a gap there. I had kids. I too had two kids. Oh, so that, yeah, that'll do that, it. That'll kind of pause things. <laughs> <laughs> I had two little kids. Was so. that also part of the rationale of moving back to the States? Yeah, like, I think for my husband it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're amazing, but they keep me very busy. Those late nights of advertising agency work are you know, not really possible when you have a nine-month-old child. So no, no. I, they're older than that now, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I, I love having – kids are so creative too, so I don't know. There's definitely something amazing about seeing my kids starting to draw and they come and they sit and they draw my work oh. on with me and they love like learning how to do that. And it's, I don't know, it's just cool to, to be able to pass that on. Do they like have some of your like proclivity towards patterning and stuff? Oh like my that? gosh. My daughter is all patterns. It's oh. so funny. She's like everything she makes. She made a Play-Doh Christmas ornament yesterday and the whole thing is polka dot patterns and stripes. In, pa- in Play-Doh? With, with a little knife, like a little like itching, itching. Wow. Into and it might, it's actually very funny to see her. She, she does things that is just so graphic. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> You're a good little artist, but you're very graphic. I'm curious to see where you go with this. It's it's there's something genetic. Oh, in I there. think so. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. You need the patterns. I know lots and lots of patterns, lots of patterns. <laughs> so funny. I think that's the one thing that with my career. Like if I look back at stuff, just way too much going on early on. I'm so glad as you get older. Hopefully, you start to like tone it down and learn that more is not more. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I hope I learn that someday. <laughs> I, yeah, it, it's so true. It's so true because you, yeah, yeah, you, in a way, you kind of need that though when you're young because yeah. you, like you need you need that space to be able to experiment in lots of different things. And, yeah, like make the mistakes. Oh, and, totally. You know, put a flower pattern next to a dot pattern next to a stripe pattern next to a heart <laughs> pattern next to <laughs> silver pen and then put an overlay on top of it. <laughs> Pattern explosion. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Um but you you gotta do it. Um this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for being here. Oh sure, no problem. It's been um, a lot of fun to talk to you. Uh, can if people want to follow you, Danny, what where where can they go? What can they where um, can they go I to have see? Instagram and website. So Instagram is Danny underscore Larero. And there you are, then I have a website and all the rest of that kind of stuff. Um well thank you so much for, for being yeah, thank here. Thank you Danny. for chatting to me and being interested in creative journeys. Oh it's, it's been that, a very different it's like, what it's all about and thank you to everybody out here who's hearing this uh if you like the show and maybe you're hearing it for the first time maybe you're an old listener a a, a classic listener why not subscribe in your podcast player of choice it's not always an asmr podcast sometimes it's another thing actually i think the episode that's going to be right before this is going to be the most opposite of an asmr podcast that i've ever done um so yeah if you want to find this show you're already doing a good job because you are hearing it so that's a that's a pretty good sign that you're you're in the right place but uh you can also search for the show's title on most services or visit our website did i do that dot design that's where you can find some good good images that go along with each and every episode of the show and if you want those images to deliver directly to you you can follow us on instagram you can follow us on youtube or you could follow us on linkedin because i've been using that a lot lately hashtag make linkedin weird again <laughs> That's that's what we're doing, I guess. So anyway, I'm Sean Schumacher. This is Did I Do That? And as we always say at the close of every episode. Did I do that? <laughs> that's what we say. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs>
So I have two options for what the opening bit could be. Okay. And I kind of want to leave this to you. One is fire alarms. <laughs> and the other option is beans. Beans or fire alarms? Yeah, beans or fire alarms. Pick your poison. Let's go with fire alarms. Okay. That sounds kind of fun. <laughs> not quite sure where this is going to go. Oh, it's... Uh, yeah. It, I'm not quite sure either, to be honest. This fire alarms one is going to be weird. Um, okay, here we go. All right. Yeah, we should probably mute our phones. I'm actually going to go into focus mode because I am looking for apartments. And so I get contacted all day <laughs> by random companies. That's funny. There is one There's one realtor now every day, five days straight, uh, just after 8 a.m., texts me the exact same message. Hi, Sean. Any further interest in this apartment? Oh, that's funny. And then her name. And it's just like, wow. <laughs> I didn't Just... respond to the other four, so <laughs> I I would guess no personally. Yeah, but she's obviously trying hard, right? No, she's real. She's got to move this place, and she does not want to budge on price or anything. What part of Portland are you looking in? Um, I'm to the point in the apartment search where I'm looking in everywhere. Okay, because it's bleak. It's a bleak <laughs> summer. Like I started, I started this summer kind of feeling excited because I was like, wow. For what I'm paying down here, you could get a house in <laughs> Vancouver, Washington. And that's just a that's just a poisonous idea to introduce into your brain. It's a lot more travel. <laughs> it's, it's a lot so more driving. It's more travel. <laughs> it's it would just be obscene. And I think the biggest one I should actually read read this off because it's so <laughs> there's this house. There he is. Um that I looked at. And it's it's like this guy, this old guy, you know, he's clearly owned this place for 40 years. But I go to look at it and it's in terrible shape. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like it has a thing I've never seen in an apartment before here, which is that it didn't have um, floor in the bathroom. Didn't have floor. Didn't have floor. <laughs> it had underfloor, but not floor. And to me... I think the floor part isn't the most important part of the floor. So I text him like, yeah, I would maybe be interested, but I feel like maybe it needs some tile or something in the bathroom. <laughs> like pretty open. And the response that I get is, is this. There are several remedies as floor is solid, but hit with many leaks in the past. Tiles can't be put over it due to weight, but all gaps can be filled with caulk and rugs or mats can be placed in walk areas. So so is it a concrete floor base? I guess it wouldn't be. It'd be like a wooden, a wooden plywood, floor base wooden with floor like base. gaps in oh. it going into the basement. <laughs> so all I can take away from his answer is um, in spite of trying to trying to frame it as floor is solid, <laughs> I get the feeling floor is not solid <laughs> due to leaks. I get the feeling that leaks are degrading that floor. Uh -huh. and I will I will go in and decide to, say, take a shower, as one does in their shower, and then I will just be in the basement one day. <laughs> yeah. And that will be exciting. Because <laughs> how the fuck much could tiles weigh? <laughs> 
It sounds like he took the floor out because the leaks destroys the floor. And that, so he just lets the water go straight through the plywood. You know what? That's actually a really good read on it. I bet that is what happened because uh, it doesn't make any sense for it to just have underfloor either. It's That's hysterical. But the underfloor, if it's made out of wood, it's just going to rot if yeah. it gets wet. So. <laughs> and it has. <laughs> so it's just going to, you're right. You're going to land up in the basement rotten, one day. <laughs> and then there's clearly some structural issues too. <laughs> You're really trying to move that place oh, in spite so of your desperate effort not to improve it in any way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, gosh, what so a funny. guy. <laughs>